down behind me, they forgot to light the light. Let me go get that. Good morning, welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms Presbyterian Church located on Beaver Ridge Road. We're thankful that you have joined us today and trust that you will be blessed by this hour of worship with us. Our service this morning will, of course, as we do every Sunday, begins with a processional hymn followed by the call to worship. And then uh, right after that, uh, we'll hear the Kids of the Kingdom singing a song entitled Good Shepherd. During the children's moment, a Cub Scout, Alexander Buffeus, will receive the scouting emblem for Cub Scouts, and uh, he'll, you'll see that happen up front. Dr. McConnell continues his series of sermons on the book of Jonah, and this morning his uh, message is entitled Linus Wilson and Jonah. A flu shock clinic will be held here in our chapel on campus on Saturday the 10th of November from 9 to, uh, 9 to 11 in the morning. That's on November 10. The Sarasota Pops Orchestra is playing here in our sanctuary this afternoon at 3 o'clock. And finally, the Key Chorale is uh, conducting a concert here in the sanctuary next Sunday at 2.30 p.m. We thank you again for joining us, and may God richly bless your worship. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Lou Stern, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. We begin our service this morning with the opening prayer that is printed on the cover of our bulletin. Now, let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. All-powerful God, we invoke your presence among us. 
for we need the knowledge and energy you alone can provide. Your ways are wonderful beyond our understanding. When our strength is spent, our vision clouded, and our hope gone, you reach out to us in ways we often fail to discern. We take heart to think that you are calling us to yourself, opening our eyes to see your wonders as if for the first time. We want to be a part of your faithful remnant in a world that too often loses sight of the holy. Help us, we pray. Amen. Now, as our service continues with reverence, let us prepare our hearts and minds as we listen to the prelude.
welcome to worship at Church of the Palms Presbyterian Church. The Apostle John reminds us that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God and daughters of God. If we're God's children, then God is our Father. Matthew tells us, one is your Father which is in heaven. And the Lord's Prayer begins, our Father which art in heaven. And therefore, in the words of the psalmist, the Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. You may be seated. Thank you, kids of the kingdom. God is holy and pure, and we have fallen short of God's standard, and so we pray the prayer of confession, and I invite you to join me in reading that as we pray together. We confess, O oh God, that our lives have made you a distant deity. We listen to what others say about you, 
but we have seldom glimpsed for ourselves who you are. We are dominated by our doubts instead of our practice of prayer. We are not ready to repent in dust and ashes, but we do ask for mercy as we face up to sins we have not recognized and wrongdoing we have tried to ignore. Instill in us a new appreciation of righteousness and help us to grow in the way you would have us go. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus gave us comforting words when he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us affirm our faith as we read together the Apostles' Creed as printed in our bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now would you greet those around you this morning. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms on this wonderful day. We're grateful that you are, are here and we are together to be a part of the body of Christ. We hope that, especially if you are a new person in our midst, that you feel welcome here. We hope that we'll have the chance to 
reach out to hand a fellowship to you after after the service. We invite you to fill out the friendships pad, friendship pads to that end so that we can note those folks who are sitting near us and we encourage you to find a name there that you might be able to place with a face and welcome that person into our life. We have fellowship following the service underneath the tree and we would love to have you join us for a little conversation after the service. Just a couple things to call to your attention today. First of all, our men's ministry is having a breakfast this coming Saturday at 8 o'clock, and uh, we'd love to have you uh, guys come and be a part of that uh, fellowship, get to know some of the guys, and, and uh, to hear some encouragement as well. So that will be next Saturday at 8 a.m. You can sign up underneath the, the tree after the service. The Sarasota Pops will be performing here uh, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, so you may want to come back and enjoy that great uh, musical offering. We have a uh, uh, form in your bulletin to uh, encourage you to give us names that you would like to put a nomination for our leadership for 2013 and following. So please take note of that and uh, let us know how we can uh, how we can stretch our leadership base here at Church of the Palms. And lastly, we have a class listed in the bulletin, Fruit of the Spirit, as actually has just concluded, so we will not be meeting uh, this coming Wednesday evening. So if you have gone to that class or were hoping to, uh, we have accomplished the Fruit of the Spirit for the rest of the year. So um, I'd like to invite Lori Haas to come forward to uh, share with us a little bit about what is going on in our children's ministry. Up on the screen here, you'll see that we have just... Um, uh, announced last week to the congregation that we're going through a uh, schedule change for our Sunday mornings beginning in what month? January. <laughs> January. Very good. You guys, you're quick learners. <laughs> January. So we are changing our schedule to move the 9.15 service up to 9 o'clock, <gasps> 15 minutes, <laughs> so that we can do something very important in our life, which is to have a time of equipping that begins at 10.15 that goes to 11 o'clock for all ages for us to be in Bible study and Sunday school and small groups and to allow our family ministry to have a great time of equipping. So Thank you. So if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times, how much we love having kids in worship. Would you agree with that? Yeah. It's so great. Here's the really good news. That's not going to change. In January, kids are still going to be in worship. But when we leave after the children's moment, we're going to go do kids' worship only the way kids can do it, which means it will be very interactive, music with motions, drama, skits, that sort of thing so that our kids are worshiping. So that provides us with the really exciting change, and that is the spiritual formation that will be from 10.15 to 11. And you may wonder, well, how does that involve me? I've got to tell you, the best thing that we can do as a church family to love and nurture our young families is to create this web of support for their kids. And here's what I'm asking you to do, especially if you don't have kids in the home anymore, especially if you would consider partnering with us in family ministry. Here's the great stuff. You don't have to miss this worship service. You don't have to miss the fellowship time under the tree. You just have to join us for that last 45 minutes that we're upstairs connecting with kids. If you would take out your bulletin, just look at the back page of your bulletin and then open it. Look on the left-hand side. You will see something that says family ministry on it. 
I just really hope that you will prayerfully consider how you might be able to make a difference in the life of a child. I know that it's scary. I know that it's risky, but you have to trust that God will grow you in amazing ways if you take that little step. Now, we will do some training, but honestly, you know what you need? You just need love. You need a heart for our young people and for our families. We need to make those connections with those younger generations because that is the future of the Church of Jesus Christ. And with that, I'd like to invite our favorite little people right down front. Uh, not so little, even all the way up to fifth grade. So come on down. Hi there. Good morning, young singers. <laughs> okay, while some of our friends are still coming down up front, I've got a question for you guys. Do people tend to treat you more like a kid or like an adult? Like a kid? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many people get treated like adults? <laughs> Not too many of you. Let me give you an example. Are you more likely to be allowed to use this saw or a paintbrush? Paint Noah, paintbrush. So maybe we're not going to cut the boards for the fence, but then when it's all put up, we can paint it and help that way. All right, here's another one. Maybe a little more scary. How about this large butcher knife? Or a butter knife. I think there's some kids over here who haven't seen this. How many kids say the butcher knife? <laughs> How many parents don't agree? Okay. <laughs> so probably most kids wouldn't be able to cut up the vegetables for the soup, but you would be able to cut up cookie dough to bake cookies for the hungry. I think you guys get the message that just because you're young, you can still make a difference by using your gifts. Our Bible story is about Timothy and Paul. And remember that Timothy was just this young guy, not that much older than you guys, who had a gift of teaching. So Paul and Timothy were going all over starting churches for God. And there was this one church in Ephesus where there were false teachers who were telling people things that weren't true. Paul was really upset about this, and he decided that Timothy was ready to go to Ephesus and straighten these people out all by himself. Do you think Timothy was scared? <laughs> so Paul had two very important things to tell Timothy, and he tells those things to us through his Bible stories. The first was, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Paul knew that Timothy could make a difference, and he also knew that there were some people in Ephesus who would disrespect Timothy because he was so young. So he told Timothy to make that difference, even though some of those people did look down on him. The second thing that Paul tells us and told Timothy was to set an example. God had a special plan for Timothy's life because of the gifts he gave him. And he wanted to make sure that Timothy used those gifts um, and to show others the difference that Jesus was making in his life. So Timothy had a tough job. But he made a choice to use his gifts, even though he was so young, and make a difference without waiting until he was an adult. And that's the same difference that you guys can make each and every day when you just look around and 
see what ways you can use your butter knife or your paintbrush to make a difference. Thank you so much. And one kid that made a really big difference, I'd like to, Alexander Vafayas, would you come right up here? Hey Owen, can I have you scooch over just a little bit? Stand right here. Alexander is a third grader Cub Scout and he came to us this summer and he wanted to earn his religious emblem. So Pastor Steve and I met with him and his mom and we kind of came up with this plan and Alexander would do this Bible study and work every single week and then he would come and meet with me for four weeks and at the end of that time, then we met with Pastor Steve again, and we are honored to say that Alexander had done all of the requirements that were necessary to earn his religious emblem, and he has the right and the honor to wear that, and Pastor Steve is going to pin this on him. There are actually four right. colors on his emblem, and in the very middle is this gold cross, which is the X, which is the first letter for Christ in the Greek alphabet. It's just to show us all and that Alexander is going to wear proudly that Christ is at the center of his life. <laughs> and Alexander is going to lead us in our closing prayer. Dear God, help. Thank you for the opportunity to learn more about you and to grow closer to you. Thank you for my family and my church family who loves me and supports me. Help each one of us to serve and show our love to others in everything we say and do. Amen. Today is our Stewardship Dedication Sunday. Later in the service, we will be inviting uh, the congregation after the sermon uh, to make their pledges and offering plates will be passed uh, throughout the uh, sanctuary for you to do so. This is a chance for us to uh, take a step forward as the Church of the Palms in our ministry and in our response to what God has done for us. And we have been focusing uh, on the uh, theme of the joy of generosity. And our elders have come forward this week and have made their pledges as a way by which uh, to respond to what God has already done for us and to discover that God invites us into this great opportunity to participate in his unfolding plan wherein we discover that great secret that the more generous we are, the more joy that we discover. So we want to share with you this video that encourages you as we make our pledges later this, this service. The joy of generosity. We've been hearing about it all month as we've listened to stories from brothers and sisters in Christ who have given generously of themselves and experienced joy. Many of us have been reading and reflecting on the topic of biblical generosity in the devotional book we received here at church. But there's so much more we could have shared in celebrating the joyful and generous spirit at Church of the Palms this year. Remember our excitement over the wonderful confirmation class? 
and the way many of us enjoyed spending time with these outstanding young people as they made their profession of faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Whether we worship in the sanctuary or in the campus center at the garden, we're blessed each week by the way the music lifts our spirits and focuses us on God. It's amazing how many talented people give generously of themselves as we experience the joy of worshiping together. And what about Vacation Bible School? What a joyful, high-energy opportunity we had as our volunteers committed a week to sharing the good news of God's love using biblical images from Babylon. What about the incredible ministry of our food pantry? Dozens and dozens of volunteers each week giving generously of their time so we can feed hungry people in our own community. Or the Back to Basics tutoring ministry. It couldn't happen without almost 200 of us joyfully helping students to reach their God-given potential in their schoolwork and often forming a great relationship at the same time. Martin Luther once said, I've held many things in my own hands and all those things I've managed to lose. And it's those things that I've placed into the hands of God, those are the things I still possess. That's a hard lesson for many of us to learn. And yet I think it speaks to the, the great lesson of the joy of generosity, that the more we give away, the more we discover the great joy that God has in store for us. And we've learned that through this past year and all the many things that you've been learning about that we have done by making a difference in the lives of children and students and families and low-income folks in our community, by bringing the light of Christ into our town and into our world, and by seeking to help others grow more and more in their relationship with Jesus Christ. We look ahead to this coming year with many challenges in front of us and again many more opportunities for us to experience the joy of generosity as we seek to equip more and more families in their discipleship as they seek to grow more in relationship with Jesus Christ by reaching out to our community and making a difference in the lives of people. We aim to complete our staff team such that we might even more so make a difference in our world. So lots of things lie in store for us, challenges, but even more opportunities for us to experience this great joy of generosity. We invite you this Sunday to fill out a commitment card, and through that commitment card, you might make us know of your own dreams and your own hopes to experience this joy of generosity so that we as a community of disciples might reach out even more effectively to our world to remind the world that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that he seeks to make a difference in their lives as well. So join us as we together seek to carry out our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. To feel the joy of generosity, we do have to be generous, and God give us the hearts to be generous. Let us now worship God in prayer. Most gracious and loving God, we know that you alone are God, and you alone are what goodness is. We give you thanks and praise to you for that in your love and mercy and all-knowing wisdom, you calling us to relate, worship, and serve you. 
We give thanks and praise for the grace and salvation you give us and all your children around the world. We are grateful for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and for the presence and comfort of the Holy Spirit. O God, hear our prayers for those in need of healing, pardon, comfort, and peace, for those who grieve and those who are poor, for our church and for this city, for our nation as it heads to election, for those who travel and will be traveling, for those who hold governing responsibility and those who serve to defend. Grant that we as the church here at Church of the Palms may seek to share the good and the love you give us both with those near and far and with those who we love, those are not very much in comfort and but people also we fear. Grant traveling mercies once again for not only those who are traveling soon, but also in the future as people are coming back here and going away from here. We also pray and thank you for all those who have been meaningful in our life and who have taught us and equipped us to be your disciples for the service of Christ. Help us witness to your goodness, O God, and enable us as a holy and caring community to be the body of Christ in this place and on this day and all the days ahead, saying, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. We bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God with our generous heart in giving.
Shall we pray? Lord of deep caring and great purpose, we thank you for these moments of giving. We are truly blessed to be in this place during this hour. And we do pray that you will accept our gifts and accept our pledges later on as a wonderful experience of gratitude for us, for what you have done in our lives and the love you share with us every moment of our day. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.
may be seated. I think I failed to mention when I was talking about our stewardship dedication that there are pledge cards available in your pews. And if by chance you slipped your mind or perhaps you weren't aware that this was our dedication Sunday and want to make sure to make a pledge, they are available and they will be available there for the next several weeks. Our scripture this morning is taken from, again, the book of Jonah. We are in the last chapter at the end of this series of looking at the life and prophecy and ministry of the prophet Jonah. We pick up the story at the, uh, midst, in the midst of the fourth chapter, verses 6 and following, after Jonah has gotten the word that the, not only had the Ninevites uh, repented, but uh, God has spared them. And Jonah is not happy with God sparing the Ninevites. So hear the word of God as it comes to us, beginning at the verse 6. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Our next lesson is taken from the Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 17th verse. And as Jesus was setting on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Well, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. He said to him, well, teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will keep our ears and our eyes and our hearts open enough that these stories may penetrate into our hearts such that we may wonder what it is you wish us to do 
for the sake of your son, Jesus, for we ask in his name, amen. Years ago, a dear friend of mine gave me as a gift a framed copy of a cartoon that appeared in the New Yorker. It shows St. Peter at the gate of the heavenly city speaking to a man who's wearing a Princeton shirt. Princeton's where I graduated from seminary. St. Peter speaks to the man wearing the Princeton shirt and says, if you plan on entering the kingdom of heaven, you'll have to sever all earthly ties. The man bears a somewhat discouraged look and the heading at the top reads, tough decisions. In my closet at home, there is a Princeton sweatshirt that I've had about 20 years. I plan never to get rid of it. Truth is, there are many other t-shirts and sweatshirts in my closet that I treasure. Most bear either the big M of the Michigan Wolverines. After yesterday, it's actually the small M. <laughs> or the big STL of the St. Louis Cardinals or the big NY of the New York Giants. My family will attest to you that I bear great allegiance to these teams. You will attest that I bear great allegiance to these teams. When Michigan is on Saturday afternoon or when the Cardinals are once again in the playoffs or when the Giants are once again on the way to the Super Bowl, there is a certain passion that pours from my pores. I am attached. I'm attached to these teams. It's hard to explain the attachment. I've never met the players. I gain no monetary reward if they win. I am perplexed over the amount of money they make. Nevertheless, I'm attached. I know there is a psychological reason for it that likely speaks to how shallow and empty I am. <laughs> but I ignore this and I continue with my attachments. Perhaps the universal symbol of attachment is Linus and his blanket. Most of us know Linus. He is the highly intelligent, somewhat precocious child in Charles Schultz Peanuts comic strip. He waxes philosophical upon the lives and events that are going on around him. He usually has the right answer to most everybody's question. Yet nevertheless, he cannot let go of his security blanket. He carries it wherever he goes. He has an attachment that brings him comfort and gives him peace. Scores of Schultz's strips show him trying to maintain without it, but to no avail. It's just, just too hard to let go. Do you remember the movie Castaway? Came out in the year 2000, and it's the story of a man named Chuck Nolan, played by Tom Hanks, who after his FedEx cargo plane crashes into the South Atlantic, is stranded on a deserted island, and he remains on that island unfound for three years. And one of the things that washes up from this cargo plane early on is a volleyball, a Wilson volleyball. And at one point, Chuck cuts his hand in anger, picks up the volleyball, and leaves a bloody handprint on the ball that looks a little like a face, especially after he sketches a couple of eyes and a mouth. It's the closest thing on this deserted island that Chuck has to another human face. The Wilson volleyball turns into kind of a surrogate human. Chuck gives it a little hair and soon starts calling it Wilson. And, and somewhere along the way, the ball virtually becomes for him a living being to relate to. And as the movie moves along, Chuck makes a daring attempt to leave the island on a makeshift raft, and he brings Wilson with him. But after a brutal storm on the sea that leaves the raft in shambles, and Chuck 
sleep, sleeping exhausted, he wakes to find that Wilson has just slipped off the raft and is drifting away. And Chuck instinctively dives into the water, tethers himself to the raft, and attempts to swim to his inanimate friend. But his tether won't reach, and now Chuck has to decide, what's the greater loss? Losing the raft, losing his lifeline, or losing his make-believe companion. Sensibility prevails, and Chuck swims back to the raft all the time, sadly bellowing, Wilson, Wilson, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Wilson. To be human is to be attached, to have attachments, some rational, some irrational, some healthy, some unhealthy. So the story of Jonah concludes in the verses I just read for you earlier. You remember the plot. Jonah the prophet gets the call to, of God to go east to preach to the Ninevites, but Jonah heads west on a ship to Tarshish to get away from God's call. He gets thrown overboard on, on the ship to a most certain death, but God delivers him through the mouth and belly of a big fish. And after three days, Jonah gets delivered to dry land, and after reconsidering, decides that maybe it's best to go west, best to go with the divine flow. So Jonah enters Nineveh, preaches the destruction of that city that's soon to come, and, the, and to the reader's surprise, the wicked Ninevites repent. They, they fast, and they sit in sackcloth and ashes, and God sees their change of heart, and he spares them. And this, as I said, makes Jonah very unhappy. He resents the mercy of God. He doesn't think the Ninevites deserve such gracious treatment. He has quickly and conveniently forgotten his own deliverance. So Jonah does what any good prophet would do. He goes outside the city and he sits down and he pouts. Didn't go his way, so he's going to pout. So in our lesson today, God raises up this bush, a bean plant likely, to, to give Jonah some shade and to protect him from the scorching Middle East heat. Jonah likes the plant. Jonah grows quickly attached to the plant. He thinks the plant is his friend. But then God appoints a bug to eat away the plant so the plant withers almost as quickly as it grows. And then God sends a, some scorching heat Jonah's way. And now Jonah is despondent over losing his friend, wants to end his life. And God has him exactly where he wants him because now God says to Jonah, the great punchline, oh, you, you grew strangely attached to the bush, did you? A bush you didn't plant. A bush that lasted only a day, and now it seems you're more worried about the bush than you are about the Ninevites. Aren't the Ninevites, God says, more important than the bush? You grew strangely attached to the plant, but what about my attachment to this group of 120,000 human beings, not to mention a few animals. And that's how the story ends. 
What an interesting way to end a story. With a question. A question between God and his servant. And the question goes unanswered. And the reason the question goes unanswered is that it's a question meant not just for Jonah. It's a question meant for us. God leaves the question out there for us to ask ourselves. And it's a question about attachments. And the question is, what are you attached to? And what role does it play in the mission of God? God knows we are an attachment species. It's how we're wired. God made Adam and without a second thought made Eve because the human condition is about attachments. We need to be attached. But we also, we also get strangely attached, don't we? We all have our strange attachments. I've confessed a few of mine. How about you? It's not that we shouldn't have a little fun with some of the attachments of our lives. God's not a killjoy, but, but there is this bigger picture, this bigger question that, leaves, that, that God leaves dangling out there, and it's an important one. And that is, how do we balance the attachments we have to the world, those things that maybe even we are strangely attached to, with the attachments that God invites us to in the kingdom of heaven? It's the question with which the rich young ruler is struggling. He, he goes to Jesus and asks Jesus the kingdom of heaven question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus lists off for him several of the Ten Commandments. Stick to the Ten Commandments, Jesus says. You'll be fine. Now, the rich man has been doing all that. He's been a good, clean citizen. But he knows there's something still missing. He knows there's this, this empty spot in his life. He's not, he's not feeling like he's on his way to the kingdom. And then Mark, the gospel writer, puts the story this way. He says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him as if to say that the next words to come out of Jesus' mouth would be the most loving thing, the most loving thing he could say to this man of means. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, oh, you lack just one thing. You don't yet have the joy, do you? So here's the deal. Sell what you own. Give the money to the poor, and then you'll have the treasure. <laughs> you'll have the treasure. You'll get the joy, and then come follow me. And Mark reports, when he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. And that's the end of the story. And now all of a sudden, we've got questions. What happened to the young man? Why did Jesus insist this of him? Why didn't Jesus run after him and try to get him to change his mind? What were those possessions to which he was strangely attached? And the questions go unanswered. 
because of course they are questions that are meant for us. Jesus turns the questions to his servants. To what do you seem strangely attached? What, what might be getting in the way of you entering further and further into the kingdom of heaven? What is preventing you from attaching yourself to the people that God seems so concerned about? Why, why wouldn't you want to give as much as you have away to the poor? Now, if you're like any red-blooded human being, you want this story not to be about you. You want to say that it's just about that one guy. It's just he's got some kind of problem that he's got to deal with. That somehow he was possessed by his possessions. Thank God I'm not. But of course, that's just fooling ourselves. Is it possible that you have enough in your home right now to make for a good yard sale? <laughs> if you've ever gone to a yard sale, you find some very strange attachments there, don't you? People possessing things they've had a hard time letting go of. And that's just the junk. Imagine what's inside the house. Now, this is not a sermon about yard sales. It's a sermon about stewardship. And the stewardship question is usually a question about attachments. What have I attached myself to, and is it a part of the mission of God? What lifestyle have I attached myself to? What, what, what club have I attached myself to? What, what, what diversion have I attached myself to? What, what attachments uh, place me at risk of losing my life raft? What, what blanket am I still holding on to that gives me a false sense of security? Who, who are the people God is most concerned about in the kingdom of heaven? And would my letting go of something help them? In the very beginning, when the Holy Spirit came and filled those disciples, God made it very clear that the church was the channel of his mission, the conduit of his work to save the world. We are the prophets called to bring deliverance to the captives and rescue to the Ninevites, equipping disciples, teaching our children, walking alongside our youth, feeding the hungry, tutoring those challenged in school, reaching the disconnected, ministering to the infirmed and dying, helping families with daycare, assisting troubled, the troubled with counseling, restoring sight to poor folks, far away. All those things happen through this church alone. The mission of God is on the move. We are the prophets called to bring deliverance. And so long as we try to attach ourselves to this Jesus, so long as we might wonder from, from this Jesus how best to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus will always leave us with this question to answer. What might you be attached to that keeps you from a further plunge into the mission? To what might you be strangely attached that keeps you from those to whom God seems warmly attached? What keeps you from the further joy Maybe you have struggled with that question and this pledge that you're about to make represents a, a further step for you into the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah for that. Or maybe you don't think you've spent enough time thinking about that and you want time to consider the question more deeply in your own soul. If so, 
Well, then hold on to that card and think more about it and take the time you need and make sure you bring it back. But in all, let's not forget the good news. That when Jesus asks these things, when, when Jesus challenges us with these things, when, when Jesus makes us wrestle with these kingdom of heaven questions, it's all for the joy. It's all for the joy. And we know this because he's looking at us and he's loving us. Let us pray. We know you love us, O oh God. That's why we're here. And we hear your challenge. And we wonder what does that mean for us? And so we ask, O oh God, that as we bring these commitments before you, that they might be the first step in a bunch of steps that we take that takes us further into the kingdom of heaven. We thank you that there is joy to be found in your son, Jesus Christ. And in our effort to be obedient to what he says and in our effort to follow him. Bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite the ushers to come forward to receive your 2013 stewardship commitments.
Gracious God, you have blessed us with so much. We are thankful, O oh Lord, that we have so much to go back to when we leave here. And we are thankful, Lord, that we have left at your altar today these gifts, these pledges, these hopes, these dreams for how we might be a part of your kingdom, how we might be a part of your mission, how we might be sent into the world to bring deliverance to those who do not yet know you. So we pray, O oh Lord, that your blessing would fall upon these pledges, these gifts, that they may truly be turned into fruit of the Spirit in the world. The world might see through our generosity not only the joy that we have, but the joy that they can have, knowing your Son, Jesus Christ, and walking with him. So bless us, O oh Lord, and bless these gifts, that they may be used for the sake of your kingdom in all the corners of the world. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.
may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Watching a live telecast that originates in the Sanctuary of Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. These traditional worship services are broadcast live each Sunday morning at 9. There'll be another traditional service here at 11, also each Sunday in the Garden of the Campus Center. Contemporary services are presented at 9. Church of the Palms is a Presbyterian Church, USA. Today, the Sarasota Pops concert at Church of the Palms at 3 p.m. All Hallows' Eve meets All Saints' Day. Enjoy a little early Halloween concert with Sanson's Danse Macabre, then celebrate All Saints' Day with When the Saints Go Marching In and featuring our wedding theme for the season, Something Old, is the Bach Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 3. Something New is a beautiful piece by Eric Whitaker called October. Something Borrowed is a medley from Phantom of the Opera. And Something Blue is Colton Kaysen singing from Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra Favorites. That's today at 3 p.m., the Sarasota Pops Orchestra. The name for middle school student ministry is Pulse. Join Pulse on Wednesdays for a high energy evening that starts with a 6 p.m. dinner in the campus center, then up to room 208 until 8 p.m. for games, fellowship, and conversations about God and life. Bring a friend and $5 for dinner. Have you ever thought about having to sleep in a cardboard box? If you ever wanted to help a needy person but didn't know how, come experience a homeless night on Saturday, November 17th. This is for 4th and 5th graders. 
November 17th and 18th, beginning at 5 p.m. We'll learn about scarcity in our community in all of its forms, play games, and go Christmas shopping for children in need. You can stay until 9 p.m. or spend the night in a box under the tree. If you're interested, contact Lori Haas or Mariah Dunn for more information and to register at 924-1323. On Wednesdays, there are numerous studies. Breaking Free, a Beth Moore study at 6.12 p.m. in room 206. Freedom in Christ, what does that really mean? In this study, Beth Moore takes us through scripture to discover the transforming power of freedom in Jesus Christ. The Fruit of the Spirit study, Wednesday at 6.12 p.m. in room 205-207, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Back to Basics Tutoring is still in need of tutors. If you're interested in investing a few hours a week in a child's life that will help shape their future, sign up today. Or you can contact Judy Armitage at 924-1323. Do you have something around the house that needs repair or installation? Call Time Tithers, and they can do it. Call 366-9359, or you can go to email timetithers at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be a part of this ministry of help, you can contact us there too. Again, thank you for watching this live telecast from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. Next Sunday morning at 9, we'll return to Channel 189 of Comcast Cable locally, as well as on the Internet around the world via live streaming. In the days between, may the peace of Christ be the source of your guidance and confidence. This is Jimmy Lantz. Enjoy this day, this gift. God's good morning.